Good morning. I want to welcome you to Memorial. My name is Joe Kate. I'm the pastor here. We're so grateful that you came today. It's obviously a different setup in these weeks, uh, probably leading up to close to Easter in our traditional worship service, and that's because we're expanding the seating in our choir loft by taking the organ and placing it over here. You can see the construction starting to be placed there and a shop back. Anytime I've had a shop back in my life, it's either been really bad news or really good news. Um, one, there's either water or construction. And um, that this time, it's absolutely good news to see a shop back in this space. And that's because the organ's being moved over there. The seating is going to change from, uh, what would that be, east to west to north to south. And um, there's going to be more seating for our ever-growing choir, which is, uh, which is great, which is fun. So we're going to be on the floor until we have that settled. Um, you can see in your bulletin, if you'll open them up to the section called Radical Hospitality, we like to frame our announcements in our five practices of fruitful congregations, and we try our very best to live these out each week. Um, the first thing we want you to know is that we have visitor cards and prayer cards. If you're a visitor today, we're grateful. We don't take that for granted that you're willing to walk in the door and participate in our worship service. We're thankful for that, and um, we're, um, we hope that if you have any contact information you'd like to give us, you will, and we'll contact you in the way that you give us. We have um, prayer cards for our Tuesday prayer group and for our staff. If you'd like to share a prayer concern or joy with us, you can do that on paper out of the pew and also and put it in the um, offering plate as it goes by. You can also see under Passionate Worship a number. It's a phone number uh, for Pastoral Care Line. It's, it was used twice this week for very different reasons. Uh, one was a person in the hospital they wanted me to know and I was able to go see them. Uh, one was a concern they wanted me to share with the prayer group and we did. It works every time and I encourage you to use it especially in off hours of our church office. That's the fastest way to reach us. Um, the pictorial directory can get more updates today. If for any reason your picture is not in the directory, any reason, um, you can go directly following the worship service just right there and we'll take your picture and it will be in our updated online digital directory. You don't have to have been a member here for 15 years or be in a certain bracket or anything really. You have to be a person that we um, we go, oh yeah, that's who that is. Um, that would be very helpful. If you want to take a picture, you can go just to the right after the worship service and Adam will take it. The war against incorrect contact information in the back of the directory is not over. It's only begun. The war has only begun. If you change your cell phone, if you change your email, if you change your address, let us know and we will make sure that it's right and the digital version is right. And then when you say, you know, I wish I could call that person. And you look at the directory and you call them and they go, hey, it works. If y'all continue that fight with us, uh, make sure you do. Uh, Suffer at Six is coming up on Valentine's Day. This is a very unique instance of three things coming together. Our normal dinner, Valentine's Day, and Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday is the beginning of what we call the season of Lent. Lent is a season that precedes Easter in which we look at the ways in which humankind impedes the will of God by any number of ways. By what we do, by what we don't do, by what we say, by what we don't say. 
Ash Wednesday is a service where you'll come immediately following the meal, which will be Valentine's Day themed, in the gym. And you'll come over here. It's a very brief, very simple, um, uh, very repentant service that I think you'll get a lot out of if you're willing to come. You can register for the dinner simply by writing it out by your name on the attendance register, and you're done. You're ready. Um, so please note that in your bulletin. Um, we believe in intentional faith development. You'll see um, all kinds of notes on faith development that are coming up. Sunday night is tonight. Um, and Aaron is having meetings about VBS. If you are a parent, make sure you pay attention to that. Um, we believe in risk-taking mission and service. We're starting a new program uh, where we will put needed items into Greer Middle students' backpacks who go home and don't have proper food at home, uh, don't have proper hygiene at home. And so they'll take that. They'll, it will be discreetly placed in their book bag for them to take home that they can have food through the weekend. I think it's an amazing opportunity for us um, to help students whose um, food insecurity is uh, very painful. Uh, the Super Bowl of Caring is also coming up next week. Every Super Bowl Sunday, our youth collect donations that will go to Greer Community Ministries. So if you have, uh, make sure you have extra change next week if you don't normally have cash on you like me. Um, just try to remember that next week uh, to place in the Super Bowl of Caring. Um, you can see our section on extravagant generosity in the back, and we're grateful for the gifts that you give, and you can see ways to give uh, to us. And we have um, two extras. I'm sorry, one extra. And that's um, CEP registration. Our child enrichment program is doing registration for the coming academic year. They register um, existing families, then memorial families, then the public. So if you are a memorial family who's not currently in the program and you hope to be, that window that's in the bulletin is critical to you because once it's open to the public, it's over, uh, just in a matter of uh, hours. Uh, so make sure you pay attention to that if you need that. So that's all the announcements that we have. If you pay attention to your bulletin, make sure uh, you note anything that I mentioned that was interesting to you. Uh, let's begin our service. If you'll stand as you're able for our first hymn, number 154.
Apostles' Creed is a central document to us of our faith. We'd like to say it in worship. You can join us if you like and you can listen if you like. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day He rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The first scripture reading this morning is Psalm 116, verses 1 through 6. I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. Because he turned his ear to me, I will call on him as long as I live. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came upon me. I was overcome by trouble and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O oh Lord, save me. The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the simple-hearted. When I was in great need, he saved me. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
Let us pray. Gracious God, for whatever it took for us to arrive here, to witness this moment in which we pray and we sing and we read and we proclaim with our whole heart, we are grateful. We're grateful for this window in our week in which we are truly focused upon you collectively. And as we read of a man whose sole purpose was to serve you, yet found inner conflict time and time again, help us, Lord, to understand that struggle and help us to understand your relentless, loving pursuit through him. Bless us in this hour, Lord, that we can be strengthened that we can be inspired, that we may go forth to serve. Lead us, Lord, in the prayer your Son taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's now time for our offering. And you can give as the plate goes by. You can give electronically as the instructions in the bulletin uh, show you. And if you're new, we certainly don't expect you to give. You can rely on the generosity of our folks.
Please be seated. I want you to consider something that's um, slightly off topic for the sermon, but relevant to what we do in here. We read the NIV in this worship service. The NIV was an effort, like every Bible is, to get simpler towards what the people who are reading words today, the way that they actually speak. And every time there's a new Bible, they make new choices as to whether they are going to go this way or that way with certain phrases. Um, the one that I prefer the absolute most, based on everything that I've done in seminary and every church that I've served, is called the Common English Bible. See, Bibles have to make choices between sounding, um, well, the King James would be on one end. This is such a royal thing. This is such a significant thing that our words need to match it. Other Bibles make choices. This is so critical to reach so many people. We've got to be as simple as possible. And Bibles make mistakes, in my opinion, in both directions. They get too fancy and they get too informal. The common English, in my opinion, tries to hold these in tension, where it holds the significance of what the point was, yet speaks the way that we do. So I'd like you to consider something in the coming weeks as we talk about it. If you were to buy a Bible, we all have them together, in honor of someone or in memory of someone, so that we could have that Bible in here, who might that person be or who might that family be? I'd just have you consider that. Today's text, more than anything, causes me to want to um, push that forward. I think you'll like it. I think it, you will appreciate it. And I think it still maintains the significance of the text uh, that we all know and love. Today in particular, I'd like you to hear the Common English Version. But if you'd like to read along, you can find it on page 1438. There'll be mild differences. But my main points are stressed in the actual text, so I want you to hear that. Today we're talking about questions and answers as a culmination of looking at the book of Jonah. Four chapters, four Sundays. Today's the last Sunday. In chapter 1, God said to Jonah, I want you to go to that great city of Nineveh. I want you to tell them they need to reach a different plane. They need to be saying different things. They need to be doing different things. They need to elevate their behavior. Jonah didn't like them and therefore did not want to help them. And he ran in the opposite direction. In chapter 2, he's swallowed. And in the belly of the whale, he prays, Man, I, you know what? I didn't want to do what you said, and I'm sorry about that. I was selfish, and I'm sorry about that. My actions and my words got sideways, and I'm sorry about that, and I want to serve you. Chapter 3, what we read last week, he goes into this massive city with what most would think very little hope of transforming anyone. And he says, I want you all to change in the name of God. And not only do they, it spreads like wildfire, it goes all the way to the king. And the king decrees, every one of us is changing. Every one of us is going to repent. The dream of what any season of Lent would be is that you recognize, you repent, and you try to do better. The dream of any prophet would be that people would listen and truly change. Jonah's irate. Because he doesn't want God to forgive these people. 
And that's exactly where we start today, in desperation for answers. Do you ever work with a mentor? Do you ever work with a tutor? Do you ever work with a coach that's trying to elevate your capability in a certain subject? More often than not, you say, hey, can you show me the answer in the back of the book? Can, can we just skip all the hard things and you just tell me the thing that I'm supposed to do in this situation? How often can that mentor give you that answer? Almost never. Should I work on this particular skill? Should I take this particular class or should I take this class? Should I do something with my business or should I sell my business? The mentor can rarely ever tell you the exact answer. The best ones do what? Just keep asking you questions. And just like when I had a tutor in math, because math was not my thing. I know we have a number of math teachers in the congregation, a number of them tutors. I just, oh, can you just tell me what it is? Can you just tell me the answer? They can't. Time and time again, Jonah says, give me the answer. Time and time again, God gives him a question. Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. But Jonah thought this was utterly wrong, that being the forgiveness of the people of Nineveh. And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, come on, Lord. Wasn't this precisely my point when I was back in my own land? This is why I fled to Tarshish earlier. I know that you're merciful and compassionate, very patient, full of faithful love, and willing not to destroy. At this point, Lord, you may as well take my life from me, because it would be better for me to die than for me to live. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The beauty of the anthem, the acknowledgement of the divine in the anthem, and of one's place in that creation. The sacrificial giving nature of I surrender all in the hymn. Did you see either of those sentiments in that part of the text? No, Jonah's struggling. Jonah says something very simple. Wasn't this precisely my point when he ran in chapter 1? That's code 4. I told you. When's the last time you said I told you? When's the last time you heard I told you? When's the last time you saw I told you work out? Is that ever a positive interaction? The I told you. Wasn't this precisely my point is what he says. Jonah's been aching to tell God that God was wrong and that he was right. And when someone is aching to be right like Jonah is, they're looking for any reason to undermine, any reason to circumvent, any reason to show you, see, see everything that I said is now coming true. As a prophet of God, he figures that he has the answers more than God does. And if there were a vote, he lost in chapter 1. And have you noticed that votes tend to have losers? And that losers tend to harbor that loss and want to remind you? Over and over and over again, whatever network it is, if we're losing, we're reminding you 
of the trouble and the pain and the loss. Um, there's a business of uh, four brothers in one of my former churches. And they sell massive machines that pave roads. The four brothers each brought the, bought the business from their dad. And they each have very different skill sets. You know how, how delicate that must have been to buy the business from the dad and keep it all together. And I say to the four brothers, uh, as I'm touring the plant with them, it's interesting to me, I say, um, well, with an even number, how do y'all vote as to what you're going to do? As to whether you're going to expand the business, as to whether you're going to go to the city, as to whatever you're going to do. What do you think they said? We don't vote. It has to be unanimous. It has to be all four. Because if all four brothers, one of them loves sales, one of them loves uh, repair, one of them loves business, and one of them loves something. <laughs> I don't know what it would be. Those four brothers all have to agree on a plan because if they don't, what's one of them waiting to do? I'm going to let you know about it. Jonah is not doing this to a business partner. He's not doing this to his uncle. He's saying to his God, I told you, I told you. This is the depth of human selfishness and pain. And I don't mock it. I embrace it and see what can we learn from it. And losers of a vote can wait a long, long time to be right. Verse 4. The Lord responded, Is your anger a good thing? But Jonah went out from the city and sat out east of the city. There he made himself a hut and sat under it in the shade to see what would happen to the city. Jonah literally took his toys and went out outside the city and sat down in the little hut, grumpy, to see what would happen. What kind of power does God have? kind of authority does God have? What could God do to Jonah? And what does God do to Jonah when Jonah says to God, I told you? He asks a very simple question. Is your anger a good thing? How often would that work for us? You take God out of it. Take church out of it. Just ask yourself, is your anger a good thing? Think about your health. Think about your spirit. Think about your very purpose in life. What does anger typically do to those three things? God says, is your anger a good thing? Oh, what does the NIV says? The NIV says, have you any right to be angry? You know what the King James Version says? Doest thou well to be angry? <laughs> I give you as hopefully one of your spiritual leaders, I deputize each of you to have full rights to say this phrase to one another. You can't extend on it. You can't add to it. You can't say stupid. Is your anger a good thing stupid? No. You can't retract from it. You can't do anything but say this phrase. Is your anger a good thing? I don't know what the response will be. Uh, if they're behind the wheel of a car uh, and it's been a good while on the road, it might, might be a very bad thing when you say that. But ultimately, it might be a good thing. 
when they're coming home from work and they're 10 minutes home from work and they are laying into you the words that they wish they had said to the person in the workplace, whether it be customer or, um, or co-worker? Maybe not, maybe not in the first 10 minutes. Say it. But ultimately, if you said, is your anger a good thing? When your child or grandchild is participating in a sport or some kind of event and you feel that they are slighted in some kind of way and you feel a sense of anger boiling up or you see it boiling up and if, you were to, if, if I could say to those soccer parents, basketball parents, is your anger a good thing? For your spirit, for your health, for your purpose. It's not a relative or a friend asking Jonah. It's God asking Jonah. Wouldn't that get your attention? You might think, but human beings truly struggle. Is your anger a good thing? Verse 6. Then the Lord God provided a shrub, and it grew up over Jonah, providing shade for his head and saving him from his misery. Jonah was very happy about the shrub. But God provided a worm the next day at dawn and it attacked the shrub so it died. Then as the sun rose, God provided a dry east wind and the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he became faint. He begged that he might die saying, it is better for me to die than to live. God said to Jonah, is your anger about the shrub a good thing? You figured, you figured how heated do you think he's getting and how calm see the calmer the person is that's asking the question the better for the moment especially on television or in movies is your anger about the shrub a good thing? yes my anger is good even to the point of death I'm willing to die for the anger that I feel about forgiving those people How's that different than Jesus' behavior? Jesus says, I'm willing to die for the right to forgive all people. Jonah says, I'd rather die than those people be forgiven. Man, that's real. And man, that's painful. Let's see what God's asking. Is your anger about the shrub a good thing? To me, this is expansion. This is truly about God. If we're talking about authority, autonomy, if we're talking about vision, these are things that are critical to human beings. We want to have authority whatever we are doing. Because life's simpler that way. I told you uh, six, eight months ago when I read the report of um, uh, American workers were polled and they said, would you rather have a little bit more money in your job or a little less, little less supervision? They chose less supervision. I, I don't care about making more money as long as I don't have to answer to more people. I'd love to have more freedom in the way that I execute my job. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound like something you would say? Autonomy is critical to us. Authority is critical to us. We want to be close to God because we want influence. See, as Jesus was walking to Jerusalem, we'll read about it in the season of Lent, He tells His disciples, everyone has been following us 
Everyone is believing us. Everyone is um, forgiving one another. But I've got to go to Jerusalem where none of that's going to happen. When I go to Jerusalem, people are going to be threatened. They're going to be twitchy. They're going to react. They're going to send me to a trial. They're going to find me guilty. And they're going to crucify me because that's what Romans do. Do you know what his disciples said in response to that? Um, when we're all in heaven, can I have the seat closest to you? That was their actual response to Jesus telling them this incredibly painful thing. Why do we want to sit so close? Because we want to hear and we want to have influence. But when I say authority, when I say autonomy, when I say vision, I'm not talking about human beings. I'm talking about God. In fact, it's, this would be something amazing for us all to acknowledge. God has the authority to do whatever God wants. God has the freedom to forgive or include or pursue whomever God wants. Don't you think there's been times in human history when we struggled with that concept? Without question. What I'm grateful for is that the Bible is honest enough to include every time human beings struggled with that. And if the Bible just kept going and came all the way to today like a history book, and we said, and man, there was this time in this decade when God wanted to expand God's message to other people and humans went, are you crazy? No. No. But in fact, God's free to do whatever God wants. See, this... Um, we measured from that wall to that wall, right? And from here to that wall, that's about as much as I can see. That's about as much as I can understand and comprehend. Do you think my scope's bigger or God's scope is bigger? Do you think your scope is bigger or God's scope is bigger? Yet, frequently, with our limited vision, our limited time, we get grumpy and upset about things regarding things that are out of our control. Do you want to put that shrub there? Do you want to put any shrub there? No. Do you want to put the water there? Mountains there? Trees there? Animals there? No. But fortunately for, not, for us, it's honest enough for Jonah to think, even though in my limited scope, I want to dictate who's included, who's forgiven, including those people just across the border. God has authority, God has autonomy, and God has vision. Verse 10. But the Lord said, You pitied the shrub for which you didn't work and you didn't raise. It grew in a night and perished in a night. Yet for my part, can I pity Nineveh? That great city? in which there are more than 120,000 people who can't tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals. And that's how it ends. And a question. Yet for my part, I can't pity Nineveh. That's what God says. See, what we've got to fathom is the incomprehensible width and depth that the love of God has for this world and the people of it. See, our heart breaks. It does. For a select group of people. 
Right? And done that shift a little bit. It breaks for certain friends, certain co-workers, certain family. <laughs> right? And <laughs> sometimes it doesn't. And you go, oh, here comes this idiot. Here comes this idiot right here. And he's going to say the thing that he says and ruin everything. Um, this week, uh, we had a little uh, Dachshund Bassett mix who's um, every bit a family member. And he's running up the stairs from out in the yard and he short changes the step and hits his chin on the step so hard that he kind of buckles. And then he went, and I don't know if he blamed me. I don't know if he's looking at me like you were here when it happened. But he just curled up against the front door. Heartbroken for him. And couldn't fix it. Even though I walk him and feed him and take care of him, there's no substitute for mama being there and looking at him and fixing it. Heart breaks for him. What can we do to help you? Then someone, <laughs> there's some like coughs or they hack or they're sick or they're whatever. And you go, oh, this again? Really? Really this again? That's because we can only share so much. Our heart can only break so much. We can only give so much. Because we are finite, limited beings with about this much time. Now lots of times you'll hear ministers in various worship services, including funerals, tell you that you've got this much time to do what? To accept the love of God in your heart or you could potentially go to hell. What I'm telling you is that same limited time you've got this much time for your heart to break for people around you to change this world in which we live. And the only way you can do that is determine that you've only got a limited amount of energy and if you spend it in anger just burning it Distracted, your window will close. Your opportunity will be missed and the people around you might be cut off from the mercy and the love and the purpose that God gives us all. Our only hope is to read examples like this, chuckle a little bit, see how we are deeply connected to it, and then take advantage of the opportunities that are before us as called, empowered believers. It's our job to expand this love to as many people as humanly possible. So pray this week that your anger may be taken. If it can't be taken, or if you see anger in others, ask them that simple question. <laughs> Is your anger a good thing? Did the energy that you gain use it to serve? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you'll please stand as you're able, our final hymn is number 66.
peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power, and the presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen.